0: listening to the uloft podcast presented by united iup a community of college students and young adults in indiana pennsylvania who are dedicated to unite with each other and christ to change the world around us we hope that this podcast raises questions and answers others while ultimately starting a conversation to discover unifying biblical truth in this chaotic world
1: Yeah, so we just hit record, and so this is the part where we, right
2: where we, where we strive
1: for a hilarious opening, and a an hilarious opening would be appropriate since we're going to talk about death,
0: tragedy, and
1: sadness.
2: Um, yeah, gotta make them sure. chuckle.
0: So yeah, no, uh, I don't have anything funny for you about death, suffering, and sadness. Although last night at Unite, uh, I told Caleb, or I told the group, I was like. And we're going to not have a fun time. And then Caleb was like, no, we're not. No, we're gonna. not. Because Caleb was the one preaching. And yeah, we're talking about life sucks and then you die. So mm-hmm. fun times.
2: Hardy har har.
0: Yeah, it is. Sam, definitely. did you did you pick up smoking over the weekend?
2: Mm, I did. <laughs> I smoked like uh, five packs. I had one pack oh. yesterday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm marge what do you want
2: <laughs>
0: I, got I love the pancakes I and the hit, sausage today i hit puberty <laughs> this week and oh my it's been gosh. rough for me oh. <laughs> it was 20 you years you have a late. lower voice than me 100
2: well i was legitimately in a real way i was a tenor in high school for two years Ha, okay i was not an alto too i was a tenor wow
1: so what do these musical terms mean for someone who's not a musician i don't know I'm it means that's a, boys,
2: no, that's a boys that's a boys part there's tenor and bass yeah, for a so, boy
0: yeah and then alto and soprano yeah for i knew girl. about alto and soprano soprano and then so then there's like, like numbers to it and then like the higher the number is the more high yes. yeah
1: yeah
2: Voices. So I was an alto to slash. I was a. I remember one.
1: feeling a little irritated about that, at like alto and soprano, because I joined chorus in like elementary school. Well,
2: elementary, late, late Bro, elementary. A soprano everybody one. Was, everybody was, was a, a soprano. Yeah. yeah. and Everyone was a soprano. <laughs> I had a crush on this
1: girl. And then I was going to like I'm going to do chorus with her, like stand next to her and like talk to her and sing with her. <laughs> And then <laughs> I, I join chorus and, and we get sorted and like, she, she gets sent over to the Sopranos and I wow. get sent over to the altos and I'm just like, that's So you just sang dumb. really
2: high so you could stand next to her.
0: Yeah. You should have just like sang higher. Yeah. Falsetto so I, I think you man,
2: should like. demonstrate your high Soprano yeah, well, let's one hear voice, it right Michael. Now.
0: The high voice? Yeah. Soprano
2: one, like 10 year old Michael. Come on. soprano one. Right?
0: One, <laughs> two, three, go. Hi! Hi! Uh, i can't do it i can't i can't do it um I mean, okay if we're being honest i couldn't do it right now either after singing all night last night like uh, my voice is done too so i was doing uh, the tenor
2: part last we're not night. gonna eh,
0: like that's all I i couldn't even hit like a high note right now just i'm done <laughs> I, I, I have a staying, pretty high singing voice but i can't hit anything right now
2: i was standing next to someone that was new who we've invited a lot and i was like I can either really worship my heart right now or I could not scare him away. So I chose to (laughs) lip sync the entire time.
1: (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I've never really focused on singing. I feel like if I focused on it, I could become an excellent singer.
0: Michael, you think that about everything. You're five. You have Euro what five. we call about. Uh, you have what's that thing uh, that Trump has that uh, he thinks he's good at everything. You're like he you like yeah. yeah, that's what it yeah. is. Of course, the yeah.
1: Dunning Kruger effect. Dunning
0: Kruger effect. That's right. Me and Michael were talking about this the other day about how. Some people are have succumbed to the uh, Dunning-Kruger effect, thinking that they're really, really good at everything. When in fact, they're good at nothing, and they're I really that terrible that. at whatever it is <laughs> they think they're really good at. No, like you, I mean, you would, you would absolutely know. Like, is this somebody? Like, okay, for me, like I could say, wait. This just sounds really prideful, but I'm really good at a lot of stuff, and I don't oh, know what else to oh, say. Okay. 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 So, I'm really bad at giving empathy. There we go. I'm
2: the best. I'm the best.
0: I'm the most person.
2: humble person. There we go. Ever. I'm
0: Moses. I'm the most humble person there ever was. I'm the, the humblest of humble. of humble. Um, And I wish there is that no you one other could. humble than me.
1: I wish you all could have just seen <laughs> this whole thing. Kendall sitting there racking his brain trying like, to find just one thing I'm he's a not a good at. Am I admitting
2: I'm a narcissist? Am I admitting right now that I am a narcissist? No. Okay. So I don't, I don't ascribe too
0: much to the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram three. And what we do is we are good at everything that we do. We strive to be good at every single thing that we pick our hands to do. And if we don't do it, it's because we're not good at it. So I just choose not to do things I'm not
2: good at. Us wise fives, we find one really good thing that we're good at and we concentrate on it and we master it.
0: There you go. So
2: boom. And then Michael just hates all of us so now
0: now uh yeah i'm i'm not no i'm not outing myself as a narcissist i'm not saying that i'm super prideful that i can do all the things You're but just i talented. just i can do the things that i want to do there you go yeah dunning kruger effect anyways uh michael sing <laughs> so us a soprano song and let's talk about death
1: all right. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So what we're gonna do is, if what you podcast
0: were, are we listening to anyways? You this never is, told us. Oh,
1: that, yeah, This is the Uloft podcast. This <laughs> is episode twenty nine. I'm sitting here with Kendall Kersey and hey. and Sam and Carey,
2: Samuel Carey today. Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: uh, <laughs> and so, um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through the questions that caleb posed last night so if you were at united last night you saw some questions at the end people kind of broke off into groups and they discussed these questions and i think it will be useful for us to do that here for maybe people who weren't in the room or people who are thinking about coming to united Um, you'll get an opportunity here to see what it's like to kind of chew on the messages that we hear at United, and you know, kind of come to some conclusions on your own. You know, if you come to a group and you get together, you'd be answering questions like this.
0: Yeah, um, um, I want to say something real quick. So, uh, just because we don't know when people might be listening to this, uh, if you go on to our YouTube United IUP United IUP, um, if you go to our YouTube, it is the uh, the sermon that was preached on November thirtieth. Mm-hmm. So, November thirtieth, life sucks, and then you die. That is the title of that message. So
1: right on. Okay. So the first question, the, just, if you missed the message and you're listening to this, it's essentially about, yeah, like life sucks, then you die. And so death, despair, tragedy, like what happens when God doesn't show up in your life sort of thing. Um, so the question is how have your difficulties, problems, and tragedies shaped how you view God?
0: So Uh, go, I I wanted to answer this as a different perspective, not for me yet. So I would say a lot of people, you might even be listening to this and say, they've actually shaped it the way that I view God as that God is mean and Mm. that he is malicious or that he is not a loving father or that he has let me down. So I would say that there are, there are possibly, um, people listening to this who have that view of it. That is not my current view. I have been in that current view or I've been in that view before. And I think a lot of the world could even be in that view of like, well, look around us. Uh, this world sucks. Like, What am I going to think of God? If God is real and if he's, you know, supposed to be loving, it sure doesn't look like it, right? That is a common perspective um, that people will have. Sorry. I just wanted to kind of give that caveat.
2: The devil's advocate. Um, I heard a quote once that your theology is truly, your, your true theology is truly proven in the darkness. So what you say you believe about God, what you might hypothesize about God. Whether you believe those things are true are proven in moments of darkness. So, like, for me, I I think that I didn't really have a negative view of God ever. Um, I kind of was just, like, like very optimistic about my faith. But whenever I went through, you know, tragedy, it made me question, like, God, are you really a promise keeper? Are you really a provider? Are you really all the things, like, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, are you actually... Any of those things at all. It made me like question what God has said about himself. Um, but what I've seen is that God is all those things. Um, and I wouldn't have seen that if the difficulties hadn't happened. But um, it, yeah, I, I think I had a couple moments of like doubting God, doubting God's goodness. Um, but he actually proved himself even more through the tragedy. So.
1: Yeah, I think that um, the impulse to think about God deistically comes from this first question. So when someone's going through like a major tragedy or they have problems that are, that remain unsolved in their life, they can start to think of God. If they continue to believe in God at all, they might start to think of God, um, as some kind of distant non-personal thing that, you know, or maybe like uh, maybe God started the whole, uh, like blind watchmaker kind of thing, like started the universe, mm. set everything in place and then took his hands off and he's not active in our lives. He's not interested in knowing us personally. I think that a lot of times when people go through these kinds of seasons, they start to feel unimportant to God. Um, so maybe God's good, but maybe I'm just not important enough to show up on his radar. Like he's not important enough for him to help me with these issues. Maybe there's
0: something wrong with me. And so God isn't looking at me and helping me. Maybe I'm just not. Set out for you know greatness or goodness or whatever, and actually it's funny, and I'll get to the my answer to this question, but it's funny because that actually refers back to what Caleb was talking about. He was talking about Jacob, like, um, you know or not Jacob, Isaac, Isaac. sorry, Isaac becoming uh, nothing, like amounting to essentially nothing, but still yet being counted in the forefathers of faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Isaac didn't do anything. He was deceived um, and uh, basically died. Almost murdered. Almost murdered and then just died. Like there's nothing really great about him uh, as a patriarch as far as that we know um, in the Bible. And so they're, you know, who knows what Isaac thought, but it's possible. It's very possible that Isaac could have even thought like, man, who am I? Like,
2: we well, probably thought himself know? to be a literal scapegoat. Like he was the scapegoat mm. that almost got sacrificed. He was like bamboozled by his yeah. son. Like he was just kind of crapped on by everybody. Yeah. So.
0: I mean, true. Yeah. He was a promised son to Abraham, but then Abraham was about to sacrifice him. And then God said, no, uh, like, you know, I mean that, I'm sure that 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 had some unpacking to do. I'm sure that there was some some divine intervention there to understand that from Isaac's point of view. But I do think that it's very possible that Isaac was like, "Dang. Like I thought I was this promised son and like now what am I what does my life even amount to, right?" And, like I'm thinking if we put it into today's uh today's context <clears throat> and yeah, you might think that you just you don't have a more important story. Like uh, this yeah. is all it is. So I guess God's just forgotten about me. I'm not good enough for this. And I think that's, that's obviously a, a false narrative, you know? Um, yeah. I, I think, think, go ahead.
2: I, uh, my favorite song right now is called the pride of a father. And there's a point in the song that like, I just lose it every time. Cause it just says like, who am I that you're mindful of mm-hmm. me? Like that has brought me back. Even in the short time that song has been out, it's brought me back to be like, even when everything sucks, like, God is still mindful of us in the midst. He he never forgot, you know, all throughout Israel's story, never forgot them. He promised that, and he was always mindful of them, even if they, like, didn't see it. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so the way that I would say, for me, the way that I answer this question, uh, difficulties, problems, tragedies, shape the way I view God, is that um, I went through a just a crap ton when I was in high school some some brought on myself uh some just happened some things just happened to me happened to my family and um i remember uh, after when I was 17 after giving my son away for adoption uh God was reminding me i came across actually uh, Romans 828 for everything works together, for we know that everything works together for the good of those um, who love him, who are called according to his purpose. God works everything out for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And so like, I chose to take on that, even though I wasn't living a great life, um, even though I would say that I wasn't in this close intimacy with God, um, I would say that he reminded me of that scripture of like I'm called according to God's purpose, meaning that I'm called to have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus. And so at the end of the day, all things are going to work out. Like, and that's, you might could even say like, that's blind faith or that's just Mm. a kind of, you know, laissez-faire approach of like, "Ah, whatever, it's going to work out. And um, in fact, (laughs) my wife, she used to get really frustrated with me early on in our marriage because anything that we'd have a problem with financially or like what if, or what's going to happen, or even uh, most recently with the pandemic and the whole world going nuts. It's all like, what if, what if? And I'm like, "Eh. man, it'll
2: work
0: out. It'll work out. It'll be fine. And so like, I think that I've only got to that point though. Um, I've only gotten to that point because I have an understanding, a greater understanding of of who God is in scripture and the fact that he is the same today that he was then is that even when it looks like he's failing in the Bible you fast forward a thousand years or you fast forward hundreds of years and you find oh dang this story refers to this story back here and this is how it was worked out and in Mm -hmm. the moment they didn't think it was going to be worked out let's take the exiles for example um or just the israelites in general in the old testament who told that they were going to get a savior and then god you know ghosts them for 600 years and like then jesus all of a sudden shows up like you know those generations were being told forever God's here for us. He's going to show up. There's a yeah. savior. There's uh, salvation is coming. Let's cling to the prophets of old. Let's cling to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And for the six hundred years, they're going, who, where is he at? There's no prophets. Yeah. Is he speaking? No. Like God was silent to his people, at least as far as we know, um, in in yeah. that in that space. And so, like what I have learned is to always refer back to God's character in scripture. Um, And that is what helps me uh, shape my difficulties, problems and tragedies in the view of God or shape my view of God within those. Now, that being said, when I start to get anxious, when I start to worry, when I start to go to the what if, when I start to freak out a little bit, it's not because I'm doubting God. It's usually because I'm doubting people mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but people suck. <laughs> and well, yeah, so like, Cause
2: you'll look and you'll know, okay, God's, you know, God's promised you something. I know he's going to work it out. And then you see things in with your eyes and nothing is aligning in the way that it should. Mm-hmm. And you can get really caught up in that of like, I know God's working, but nothing's changing. And that's why we're called to walk by faith, not by sight. Because yeah. I think if God was at, if we actively saw God working, you know, we just saw the people changing, we wanted to change, whatever. Um, that actually, we wouldn't even need faith. Like, faith is a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Mm-hmm. Like, who, I think the yeah, Roman says, like, who hopes for what he sees? Like, yeah. Why would you have any hope if you can see God's work? You yeah, know, your faith you? your
0: faith ends up being built on what you can't see. Your faith ends yeah. up being built on hope. that, And the crazy thing is the hope that we have is not that God's going to fix this problem that I have. The hope actually is that one day life might suck and then I die. But because I believe in Jesus, I continue to live in a yeah. perfected world. And that's the hope I have. My hope is not in. So let's take, for instance, I actually just wrote a devotional based on this. Uh, my mom has had multiple sclerosis for 20 years now, um, which is insane to say for 20 years. And for 20 years, we've been praying for her healing. And for 20 years, she's gotten progressively worse. Like it just is what it is. Um, and uh, she's been in a wheelchair for basically that entire time. I think for 19 and a half of those years, essentially, she's, she's been in a wheelchair for that entire time. We keep praying, blah, 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 right? Well, early on we were praying and I kept asking my dad, like, what the heck? God doesn't love my mom? Like, he's not healing her. Why? All these people praying for her? Why is he not healing her? And one of the things that my dad said, um, and I I can't remember word for word because I was 14, 15, but I remember the concept at least of him saying, well, son, she is healed. Like, no, she's not. She can't walk. She is healed. Right now she's healed in heaven. Yeah. because she believes in Jesus. And so our hope is fixed on that. Whether God heals her here on earth, it doesn't matter. She's healed in heaven. When she gets to heaven, when she dies one day and she gets to heaven, she will walk, she will run, she will have a perfected body. She'll see Jesus and none of the things that she endured in this life will matter. Yeah, Because she'll be face to face with Jesus. And so like, it's having a perspective of eternity that helps you understand how to have a proper perspective here when you're in tragedy, that even if your life amounts to nothing here, if you believe in Jesus and you follow him, you can have a hope and a future that's perfected in eternity.
1: Okay. So I'd I'd like you to explain a little bit more um, your perspective in action, because like you're one of the people who I know who works harder and prepares more than most of the other people that I know. And so I I feel like it's natural whenever you have the heavenly minded perspective of like, everything's going to work out, everything's going to be okay. The natural conclusion of that is complacency. And so how do you avoid complacency? How do you adopt that mindset and still also act as if everything's going to depend on you?
0: So that's a really good question. I'm going to have to think about that, but I will think while I talk so that there's not dead space. (laughs) As I work as well. So yeah, no, I, I think that like the way, the way that I take some of that stuff is like, commit your ways to the Lord. Like um, in all that you do, commit your ways to the Lord and everything that you do and everything that your hand finds to do, uh, make sure that it's like you're doing it as unto God. And so like, for me, when I work or what I do as far as preparation or whatever, to me, it's an act of service. And to me, it has no, it, if, if I start to get in the mindset of I'm going to be the one who fixes the problem, I'm going to be the one who does it. Um, that's when I start to get anxious. Mm-hmm. That's when I start to get worried. <laughs> that's when I start to doubt is when I've taken on the brunt of fixing my difficulty on my own. But if I'm so, for instance, uh, me coming out of addiction. OK, um I was doing the work quote unquote, so to speak, like I'm going to do the work. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to go to whatever anonymous, like I'm going to go, I'm going to do all these things that I've got to do to, to do the work. But the entire time I knew that it wasn't just me checking the boxes off the entire time for the grace, because of the grace of God, I had this clarity of understanding that God is giving me these opportunities and he's asking me to act on my faith. Faith without works yeah. is dead, right? So um, if I'm not acting out on my faith, then uh, you know, then really I'm just checking the box. Like likewise, works without faith mean nothing. So um, that's kind of the way that I viewed it back then. Is I'm gonna freaking work my butt off, and I even had a therapist tell me, like, Kendall, you're doing some things that normally would take people years yeah. and years, and you're doing them in months because you're just doing a ton of stuff. And like again, by the grace of God. It sounds dumb, but by the grace of God, I didn't have a steady job. So I was able to do a ton. I didn't yeah. have a lot of responsibility at that point. And um, so it allowed me the opportunity. And I took that and said, God is giving me this opportunity. The Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. When I go into my therapy sessions, God revealed to me what you want to show to me. And even though I'm the one going in here and quote unquote, doing the work, God, I know that it's actually you yeah. that's renewing me. So it, again, it's a mindset. And I would say that that mindset has to be my faith without works is dead and my works without faith is also dead. Mm -hmm. So
1: you work, so you, your, your opinion on work, your perspective on work is so I'm going to do this work. I'm going to put in this practice and this effort as an expression of my faithful service, not to change the ultimate outcome. Yeah. But, and and so that, that prevents the anxiety and the worry Mm -hmm. from coming in. It also allows you to focus on what's right in front of you instead of thinking like, well, 50 years from now, is this going to make a difference? Like you can narrow your time frame, and then that makes things easier to manage and yeah. it also keeps you humble
0: because you yes. don't develop like a messianic complex of like, because of what Kendall does, mm-hmm. the world is going to change. And that's what my wife used to get mad at me for is I don't think, again, it was early on. She didn't understand like my, my perspective on that. And so she would think that I would just sit around and do nothing and wait for things to get better. And it's like, well, no, that's not actually what yeah. I'm doing.
2: That's why like you, <clears throat> the key to all this is waiting upon the Lord. And I think, you know there's this concept of, okay, you wait on the Lord, you just, you hand it to him, let him do the work. But like that word, like when you just think about waiting, um, I think of it in the context of like, if you're waiting for people to come over for like a party, you're waiting for them to come, but you're also doing necessary things, preparations, not in a hurried way, not in I got to get this together myself, but you're preparing. So in a season of waiting on the Lord to fix something, you are actively involved. Like, you know, God doesn't just... We can't expect God to just do all the work for us. Well, there are things that only He can do. Like He invites us to partner with us. Or he wants us to partner with Him in doing the work. So while you do therapy, you do recovery program. Like there needs to be this understanding that I need the Holy Spirit to ever heal, but I need to take steps. I'm in a recovery program, and that's part of it. Is like you yield to your higher power. You admit you're powerless. Our higher power is Jesus. You have to yield under Him. But then He says. I need you to make amends. Mm -hmm. I need you to make a better decision in this area. I need you to choose to pursue holiness instead of pursuing sin. Like, He's not saying, if you don't do this, I'm not going to love you. But he's saying, I want you to work with me in this.
0: Yeah, the, that word wait actually in Isaiah, uh, those that wait upon the Lord will do their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. Uh, they will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint, right? So that that's the scripture. The word wait actually means in the original, uh, it means wait as if you were pregnant. So yes. as, if, as if a female was pregnant. And so like, you know, You've been pregnant before, I I haven't, but I've also (laughs) been, I've been around a pregnant woman at least four times. So um, what I understand about that is like, there's some things that you are preparing that your body is just taking over, right? That, Mm -hmm. That your body just does. It just does what it's supposed to do, what it was created to do. But then there are other things that you prepare. You prepare your house nesting or whatever the heck you want to call it right yes. you prepare nesting. your house you prepare your mind you prepare your husband's mind <laughs> like uh you prepare expectations you might read books you might like just want to be ready for what's going to happen and um yeah. that a lot of people think that that word wait means to sit on their hands and, and just yeah sit, and to you know. even add
2: to the you know analogy there's a waiting in labor there's a point where you can no longer use your own strength and you have to rely on, well, you know, people Drugs. would say you're, you're yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, people would say your your motherly instinct. But I, for me, it was mm. Jesus. And there's a waiting period. And the coolest thing about waiting, I love the analogy of labor and birth because the, the point when you are waiting for labor, the worst moment where you say, I can't do it is the very moment that birth is about to happen. Mm-hmm. The point where you get, and that's, that's in our relationship with God or in the valley. Like when it gets the hardest, you know that something is about to happen. Like a, a big breakthrough is going to happen. And that's, it requires waiting the whole time.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm, yeah. So you develop yourself so that when God opens the door, you're ready to walk through it and mm-hmm. you're ready yeah. to be used. Yeah. Okay. So we can like, Combine these next two, I think into one question. Um, so basically they are, what do you pray for when you're going through difficult seasons or the valleys of life and what practices do you use to help you endure those seasons? So we have prayer and we have practices. What do you, what are we thinking in terms of like, what do your prayers look like, kind of what's the mood or the theme of your prayers during those times and what are some things that stand out to you in terms of habits that you've used and depended on to help you walk through those seasons with as little unnecessary misery as possible.
2: Well, I'll tell you what I used to pray in the valley because this is, I think, almost everybody's prayer in the valley. God, get me out of the valley. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) God,
2: get me out of the valley. I don't want to be here. (laughs) I don't want to be in the dark. This is hard. You know, and I, because I've been in a valley for over a year now and I've been in multiple valleys, but in this valley at the beginning, I just wanted to get the heck out of it. I wanted it to be on the other side. I wanted it to just be done. And what I've learned throughout this year is what God wants to use the valley for is for us to learn that shepherd to learn to follow our good shepherd which means following his voice and so instead of praying God get me out I've been really praying a lot even just the past couple weeks like Lord uh, incline my ear to your voice like help me know only your voice in the midst of the valley help me not walk by what I see around me but help me hear you and that has helped me endure because like The coolest thing about a shepherd is like you, it's almost like following a trained hiker. Like if a trained hiker is guiding you somewhere, like they're going to know the path already. They've already traversed the path. They've already know where the rocks are, where the, you know, the water is, all these things. And if you really trust that that guide, you're going to follow them no matter where they go, regardless if you see goodness around the corner. Even if you see no goodness around the corner, you're going to follow them. And that's what it means like, to walk in the valley with the shepherd is to, to follow him. So that's been my prayer is like, help me hear your voice. Cause like, I'm still walking blind. Yo, I need like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I need your guidance through it. So.
0: Yeah, that's good. I think that uh, you hit it right on with the fact that everybody prays to get out of the valley. Right? Like, and I, I have a different uh, imagery on this is that I feel like life in general until eternity is, An ascent, Yeah, I believe it's an ascent up the mountain (laughs) and you don't ever get on the top of the mountain until you reach eternity. (laughs) Um, That, uh, you know, there might be false summits essentially uh, within the earth. Um, But then at some point you fall back down into a valley. Like, I think that's kind of the imagery that I have behind it. And one of the things that, um, there's two different, there's two specific things I've started to pray. Uh, One is um, that my feelings do not dictate what I do. Um, like that I actually get out of my feelings that I'm not in my feelings and that, (laughs) that God actually gives me peace and joy. So those are the two things I would say that I pray about the most is peace and joy. Um, that, uh, I would feel his peace and understand his peace. I mean, Philippians four, six, that says that, um, that we shouldn't be anxious about anything, but instead in all things pray and the peace of God, which passes all understanding will be yours. And so like the peace that passes understanding, meaning that even when this doesn't make sense, for some reason, I have this peace in my soul. And I could be anxious about this, but for some reason, I've got peace. So I pray for peace all of the time in situations because I know that that overtakes my continuing to try to figure it out, right? And then I also pray for joy because joy is my strength. Like the joy of the Lord is my strength. When I don't want to continue on, and there's been times, I've even talked to you, Michael, about like, there's been times I'm like, Bro, I can't do this no more. Like I life sucks right now. (laughs) I don't wanna do I don't wanna I just wanna sit on my couch and do nothing. But I'm reminded that the joy of the Lord, the joy of his salvation, because of the hope I have in Jesus, that is what strengthens me to get up every day. And so I've got to continue to pray for that peace and that joy. So those are kind of together that if I'm operating in my feelings, I don't have peace and joy. Um, but if I get out of my feelings, I can have that peace and joy that is, is, uh, that is deep, that is profound, that is only of God. The second thing that I like to pray about is that God gives me the proper perspective, right? And, um, this is a harder prayer to pray sometimes, um, that I have the right perspective on this situation, knowing that it's in his hands, knowing that it's taken care of, knowing that he's going to, to handle it. I don't know if you've ever seen that meme with, uh, uh, (laughs) DJ Khaled, um, that, uh, That's like, you know, peeking around the doorframe and he's like (laughs) me just checking in on God to see if he's actually taking care of the things that I've left in his hands. Um, And uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, sometimes we can pray that like, God, give me your perspective, but I just want to see if uh, you're taking care of that there. Like, and so that's a harder prayer to pray, but that's something I've been trying to do lately is like Psalm 139. Is there any wicked way in me? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, the situation sucks. But is there something that I need to change? Is there something that you're wanting to work in me in this? Uh, I mean, our whole series is based off of Romans 5, 3 through 5, like that we need endurance, right? Like the, that that um, facing hardships produces character, um, produces strength, you know, produces um, endurance that we need that's been given to us through Jesus. And so like I've been really trying to focus on that a lot lately specifically of what in what are you trying to make me endure, and what are you, what character yeah. traits are you trying to bring forth out of me? So,
2: yeah, and God wants to build our strength and like just bringing it back to the waiting thing. Like those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Like I think about working out, and I don't work out as much as Kendall, and I definitely work out more than Michael though, for sure, hundred percent. But <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you do. <laughs> but part of
2: part of like actually building your strength is if you don't rest, like, and that's why God has built it into our economy as Christians, like. If you don't rest, like you might think you're getting work done and like really, you know, chugging along. But like you're going to tire yourself out and a lot of strength is found in rest um, and God renews that in us. And it's it's his joy. Yeah, that renews us as well. So,
1: yeah, um, I think that for me, it looks kind of like uh, in Psalm 51. David is seems especially concerned that God not remove the Holy Spirit from him. Um, And I think that mine is sort of like that. I think that it's easy to not notice the fruit of the Spirit departing from you, um, particularly if you're in the midst of suffering. Like I think if you focus too much on your tragic circumstances or the things that are around you, those things can end up becoming like a barrier between yourself and the Spirit of God. And if that happens, then you're going to start losing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't want to be a person who's characterized by the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. And I think too often that happens when people go through things that are, that are unfair and things that are difficult and tragic it can breed bitterness and resentment. And you can start to adopt a mode of being that is completely opposite of the mode of being that would, you would be characterized as having if you had the fruit of the spirit. And so that's really what I monitor, um, whenever I'm going through, uh, difficult seasons, because like, honestly, I mean, life is just going to be a a conveyor belt of non-ideal circumstances. I mean, you'll have good moments, but there's, they're going to keep, there's going to keep coming, uh, tragedies and difficulties. It's just built into the machine, mm-hmm. but what's not built into the machine is, uh, the necessity that you have to be characterized as, you know, someone who doesn't have the fruit of the spirit. And so mm-hmm. I just want, if, if I can stay faithful with that, uh, I think that my chances for coming out of the difficult times are maximized. Whereas if I lose those things, uh, you know, it's really easy to spin off unnecessary misery and extended misery and have all of that pain that comes from a particular moment end up flavoring the later chapters in your life when it didn't have to.
2: Yeah. That's good. Well, and there's something too about, I think what you can tend to do in the Valley and this Christians are just, we, we do this a lot where, we're in a literal pit and we're like, but I'm just going to have joy, you know? And it's like, we're faking the spirit. We're faking the fruits of the spirit. But we know that we should have joy. We know we should have peace. So we just kind of contrive them. But if you actually would surrender to the process of the valley with Jesus, those things, you'll come out of the valley with those things actually being real. They're not going to be fake. They're going to be built in the suffering and you're going to experience like real joy, real peace, real love real self-control. Like if you would allow God to move in you, um, you'll, you'll come out naturally with the fruits, but you can't, you can't fake your way through it.
0: Yeah.
1: So this last question is, man, this is one that you really need to think about for a long time. So I'll give each of you five seconds. (laughs) 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 The question is, um, is Jesus worth a lifetime of pain? I mean, there's just so much depth to that, I think, when you really sit and think about it. So
0: when you say a lifetime of pain... Do you mean a life like a perceived like oh my life has sucked but there's actually good moments but somebody doesn't realize there's good moments? Well, maybe
1: or maybe it's like a Jeremiah kind of thing or like hmm. an Old Testament prophet hmm. kind of thing like hey you're gonna do this it's not gonna work according to uh, what yeah. you know what we think might be success um, and it's gonna hurt and then you're going to be murdered or then you're going to die you know like it, 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 okay so, if you come to Christ and you face the tragedy that is the fallen world. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's, you know, when you're young, especially, I think one of the, sometimes you hear young people say, well, I, I, you know, I'll become a Christian, but I want to have some fun first, or I want to appreciate youth and like the, there's a lot of like good things that come with being young in a prosperous nation. Um, But the realities of the fallen world are inescapable wherever you go. And part of accepting Jesus is accepting the narrative, which says that we live in a fallen world. And so I think that the lifetime of pain is recognition that you are not going to live in a utopia here. You're not going to be perfected here. Um, you know, the, the the difficulties, the crucifixion before the resurrection is constantly in front of you until you actually die and are resurrected yeah. or and are glorified.
0: Yeah, the way I would the way I would put it is that a lifetime of pain with Jesus is worth it to not to endure an eternity yeah. worth of pain. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so like again, if my focus and if my perspective my perspective is eternity and is eternal and one of the things we've been saying within our team here at United is eyes towards heaven. If that's not what my take is on all of life, then no, a life worth of pain with Jesus is not worth it. Like if I'm not thinking about what the end result actually is, but because I know that there's something on the other end of death, that I know that there's, there's hope in heaven, there's hope with Jesus if I've put my trust and my faith in him. If there is that, well then, yeah, absolutely it's worth it. It's yeah. definitely worth it because why would I want to live a lifetime's worth of pain? and For then ex- more pain. <laughs> for more pain. Or, yeah. I mean, and this is not your question, but I could flip it and say, why would I want to get all the joy I can out of life and the payoff is just the worst pain yeah. I can ever experience for all of eternity? You know, like, absolutely it's worth it. And I can only say that because I have a hope in heaven. Uh-huh. And that's the only reason I can say that. I mean, honestly, who, who was the one who said, um, uh, you, you should know this. The, um, the paradise paradox that he was like, well, uh, it was, he was an atheist and he was like, well, I could either not believe in Jesus and be wrong and, uh, go to hell. <laughs> or, uh, you know, not believe in Jesus and be wrong and then get heaven anyways. That's Pascal's wager. Yeah, Pascal's wager. He was a Catholic. He was a, Catholic, he was a yeah. Catholic. Well, okay, so I was <laughs> jacked up. Anyways, but it's, this, it's the same thing though. Like, why not go ahead and believe in Jesus? Yeah. And then if you're wrong, it's just, there's nothing after death. So fine, it is what it is. But if you're right,
2: yeah, but
0: if you're right, you get all things yeah. and you get eternity and you get, now I realize there's some, you know, some, some things wrong with that, but still like, To me, that makes a ton of sense. It's like, man, if I could endure pain here on earth, but I get an eternity of hope and I get an eternity of perfection, then heck yeah, it's worth it. Sign me up.
2: That's what I love that, how Caleb just, he peppered in, if you listen to the message, if you heard it, he just peppered in a little bit of hope. But what he said that stuck with me was just like, Jesus endured a lifetime times every person that's ever existed ever of pain for me. And like, well that doesn't exactly answer the question like I can't look at what Jesus has endured and not think I that's my reasonable act of service is to endure something. Like Hebrews talks about like you did not yet go to the point of shedding blood in your strive against sin. He mm-hmm. died for your sin. Like basically saying like you don't have it that bad in comparison to what he experienced and like for me it to to walk through your whole life in the pain that everyone will experience and to not have hope sounds like hell already. Like that's hell already to, to walk through your whole life, not have some reason to live. And for me, like it is so worth it because I know that Jesus has endured that pain and that he doesn't promise to, you know, rescue me from it on earth, but he, he promises to be with me in the pain in the midst of it all. So you're not just walking through life through horrible pain. Like you're not alone in it. Mm-hmm. And it's so worth it to know that he will wipe away every tear. Um that is the biggest promise that we have. He wants to wipe away the tears now, but there's a day where we will no longer experience that. And that is just like
0: Yeah, life with worth Jesus it. makes makes your pain have a purpose. But yeah. life without mm-hmm. Jesus makes your pain not have a purpose and then life doubly sucks. Yeah. You know, like
1: yeah and that really does like having meaning to your pain and purpose to your pain really changes a lot of things and like you know if you're not a believer and you're listening to this and you're thinking well i don't know here's the thing If the word of God is true, then you live in a fallen reality, whether you believe you do or not. And so the lifetime of pain is a non-negotiable. You can't argue your way out of that. So you can either walk through it without your redeemer and without your savior or with Mm -hmm. your redeemer and with your savior. And, um, I think you guys articulated the benefits of, of, uh, doing the latter. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Hey, uh. Uh, If you guys are listening to this, I I want you to know you should come out to United. Like people are listening to this podcast Mm -hmm. and showing up, um, you know, purely because they started like their entry point was this podcast. And so if you're hearing this, like share it with people because, you know, they're going to show up. You're gonna show up. I think you're gonna have a really good time. It is Tuesdays at 7:27 p.m. We are uh, we have a Christmas party coming up December seventh,
0: and then we're taking a break until January 25th. But once January 25th hits, we are doing a new series uh, based on a book called Outdated, and it's all about relationships and getting married that's and uh, you know all the fun stuff that comes with dating, all the not so fun stuff that comes with dating as well.
2: So you need to hear it all though. You, you do those. absolutely. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. gonna
1: be good. And there's going to be more content coming out on Uloft that'll pair nicely with that. So you don't want to miss those nights. Uh, make sure you come out. You can find all that information and more at unitediup.com. Thank you guys for listening to the Uloft podcast and we will see you in the next episode. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Uloft podcast. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to it. Also come out and join us for a U night every Tuesday at 7 27 PM. This is a time of music, friends, and important teaching. You don't want to miss it. You can learn more about Unites, as well as everything else we do, by visiting unitediup.com. Thank you all for hanging out with us, and we will see you in the next episode.